What's up, Sweep Delay Podcast fans? This is your host, Mike McMasunas. I got a little confession to make, kind of like my boy Jason had a confession on his Show Me the Winston episode where it ended up being lost. I can't say this episode was lost. However, we had a really good conversation, but during the conversation, yours truly was cutting in and out. And I'm not sure if that's due to the bad weather that I was having here um, or because of the mic I had. So I promise you that um, I tried to fix this episode as best as possible. There's going to be, most of the time it sounds really good between me and Jason, but once in a blue moon, it's going to sound in and out a little bit. So I do apologize. So I wanted to give you guys a heads up. Uh, I will be looking into this issue, and hopefully this will not happen going forward. Uh, But sit back, relax, and enjoy this super fun time I had with Jason. It it was amazing. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? No, Sensei. Bit of a body bag, Johnny! Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. I'm your host with the most, Mike McMasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. And I have a special guest with me, the one, the only, Jason. What's up, sir? I'm doing good, man. So, I am very excited that you have found time in your day to come on the show, because I know that you are a busy man. So, once I want to say thank you. Well, you know, after you said you would pay me, I was all for it. Right, right. But unfortunately, checks in the mail, right? Right, checks in the mail. Yeah, along with them stickers, which, by the way, I got some get glue stickers. My wife got hers today. How about you? Did you get yours? I have not gotten any, sir. Really, dude, that Here. sucks. I know it, it's kind of lame, and the sucky part is, I, you know, put it out there for all these people. I'm like, hey, get glue's cool. Go, go check it out. And a lot of people did, and a lot of the people that I sent to them have gotten stickers and I still have yet to get anything. Um, and I've, I've emailed their customer service and stuff and haven't gotten any responses. So whatever. Are you sure you put the right address on? I did. Checked it a few times. I'm like, no, that's my address. Wow. So, that, that sucks. Yeah. My wife just sent her second request for new stickers, man. So yeah, I've requested like three times now. Oh, that sucks. Well, um, obviously, I have a lot of listeners from your show, uh, namely Winston being on their episode 40. That was excellent times. Um, but for other people on my show who don't know who you are, which I do have a few, uh, how about you explain, you know, how long you've been podcasting and a little bit about yourself? Well, I have been podcasting forever, it seems. Probably about three and a half years now or something like that. I haven't really looked at the math. Uh, It started with one show called uh, Film and Focus, which is still going. We're over 100 episodes strong, so that's always good times. Yep. Uh, I did a show called The Short Box with a friend of mine that was all about comic books, and that one kind of went by the wayside due to him not really wanting to podcast anymore and 
I didn't have anybody else to talk to about comic books, so we just kind of ended the show. Uh, but that was fun while it lasted. And then uh, I started the Shadowy Flight, which is a podcast about uh, Night Rider and Night Rider related things, which then uh, led into the uh, Flix podcast and then Show Me the Winston. And now I am also the co host of uh, the Supernatural podcast, The Crossroads. Excellent. And then you are also a filmmaker as well, correct? I am. I am a filmmaker here in Reno, Nevada, where I'm from. And uh, I do short films, feature films, some weddings, some commercial work to pay the bills. Uh, and I'm currently in the post-production process of my latest short film called Sunrise, which if you all go to Stormfront Productions on Facebook, you can see the trailer for it. So go yep. check it out. Yep, I can't wait. Uh, it's good times, and you, uh, your photography is excellent. Uh, I've seen that as well on the Facebook page and on Storefront Productions as well. So uh, that's always good times as well. Yeah, the photography thing came kind of randomly because I had I had started playing around with some cameras, uh, DSLR cameras, which are basically photography type cameras that can also do hd video and the more popular the dslr functions uh, or cameras became the more they kind of started leaning more towards the video camera rather than the still photography cameras right but since uh it's kind of the best of both worlds for what i do i started doing more and more photography and that led me to actually doing some professional photography and actually getting paid for some of it and then I just recently had my first gallery showing uh, where I displayed 40 of my photographs for all the world to see here in town. So it's it's kind of taken off. It's kind of weird but exciting at the same time. Cool. How did that go, by the way? It went really well. Um, it was kind of a weird gallery showing where I had my photography on the walls. And then on one wall, I was projecting a reel that was kind of highlighting some of the things I had done uh, in the film industry. Uh, so that was kind of cool. So we showed the reel a few times and sold a couple pictures. And so it, awesome. it was pretty good. We had a, a good turnout. Good deal. That's awesome. So um, I know I gave you a list of movies because, you know, I've been uh, hoping you'd come on the show. But, you know, you're a busy man. And I threw some I threw three movies out at you. And the one that we decided on, which suits the best, is Buried. Because, you know, from a filmmaker's point of view, I definitely want to get your insights. But just all in all, it's an awesome movie. So I'm so glad that uh, we're going to be reviewing this sucker. Because I just watched it for the second time this morning. And uh, I still got chills, I'll tell you. Yeah, it's a good flick. It's you know a little bit different from a lot of the movies you usually review on the show, just yes. because it's it's very serious. There's probably maybe one funny part in the whole thing, and even that's a very dark funny part. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but you know, one next time I come on, we'll do something a little funner. Yeah, but it's definitely an interesting movie from um, the filmmaker's perspective, just because of the logistical issues they would have to deal with. Uh, in filming a movie like this, which, you know, we'll get into yep. once we get into the movie. Yep. Well, before we do, let's get into some movie and music news real quick. Word.
Alright, sir, so, uh, movie news. We got a lot this week. It's kind of timing for you to come on because, as we no know... No kidding. It's like <laughs> Batman and Superman Heaven Week. I'll tell you, this is uh, today alone. They and released... Spider-Man. Yeah. Did, and Sp- did you hear the Spider-Man news today? Uh, yeah, what is up with that? The movie's not even out, and they're going to put the sequel out in, what, 2014, right? Yeah, they gave it an official release date. Not just like, oh, in 2014 we're, yeah. we're doing Spider-Man. They gave it a day. Right. <laughs> Which I'm like, really? Really? And a lot of people were, were kind of reacting that way of like, the, dude, we know it's going to be good. You know, people are going to come out in droves. Or they're gonna, you're going to make a lot of money with this movie. But it's aren't you jumping the gun just a little bit? Just a little bit. Just a, I mean, just a tiny bit. Right. So, yeah, the studios today came out and said, hey, May 2nd, 2014, Spider-Man 2. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. So, all right, number one, let's get to the older type news, which was, I think, last week said Superman, Man of Steel, whatever they're going to call it, got pushed to summer 2013, which personally I think is an excellent choice because Christmas is usually the summertime, you know, the kind of bomb movies and the fact that they're moving it to summer to me means that the studio believes in the film and they think Did it's you say good. bomb? Yeah, you know, like bomb as in like the crappy movies are out on Christmas time roughly, you know, where the studios don't really dig it too much, you know? No, actually that part of the year is when all the oscar contenders come out oh okay we'll see it's the um january february march time period is where movies go to die oh Um, that's what i'm getting confused from like october november december that's when all the studios bring their major oscar contenders out at the same time so do you do you agree with them moving it to summer 2013 or do you think it was you know should have stayed in 2012 you know december i think it's a good idea i i would love it if it come out next year because i really just want to see the movie at this point right but it felt a little rushed for them to try and do everything they were planning to do in such a short window of time right uh so for them to give themselves that extra time means that they're really going to make sure they do it right instead of rushing through a production just to get a movie out there. Because I don't know what, how much you know about the Superman legal issues that Warner Brothers is having. Yeah, yeah. The whole reason why they had to make the movie, so to speak, was they were going to lose the... Weren't they going to lose the rights to another company? or I, I can't remember the exact details. It's, it's a very weird difficult kind of thing to kind of wrap your mind around uh because the case behind it is it fluctuates all the time and it's so weird but basically yeah if if they didn't have a superman movie in production by a certain time they could possibly lose the film rights to the character which to me is just ridiculous right uh but again, you have to get into the court case, and it's it would take us like two episodes to try and weed through that whole thing. Yeah. So what they did was they pushed through this production of Man of Steel, which we're still not sure exactly what they're going to call it. But it seems it might just be called the Man of Steel without a Superman yeah. attached to it. Makes sense. But they rushed through the movie uh, into production so they could beat that time limit they had. But now that it's in production they're safe and everything and it just seemed a little 
probably it probably was a bad idea to try and hit a 2012 mark because you're going to with a movie that is so filled with special effects and uh you know from what they're saying you know a lot of action and stunt sequences you're really going to kind of shoot yourself in the foot in rushing the production to meet that date so i'm glad they pushed it to 2013 so that they'll have time to really perfect this movie as much as possible but it's just one of those things where you're just like it's a blessing but a curse because we have to wait another year right and, uh, so it i agree with it but it's it's kind of a bummer especially with all the the other news the casting news the uh the set photos that have been coming out the movie looks really interesting and it looks like a really good superman movie so far right and it's like i'm so pumped to see the movie that waiting a whole another year is excruciating but if it's going to make the movie better then i'm i'm willing to sit through that that year exactly so lawrence fishburne being cast Barry white i dig it what about you hmm well we're for that we have to get into the whole casting white characters with black actors we've seen it done before daredevil right. did it with kingpin and it worked yeah. You know, I thought I thought that was a really good casting decision, and it worked in that movie, and no harm, no foul. Right. Uh, we have Nick Fury cast Samuel Jackson cast Nick Fury as the um, the ultimate comics version of Nick Fury, uh, and it works. I, I do agree with some people that you know basically all Sam Jackson's doing is, pl- is playing Sam Jackson, but really that's all Sam Jackson ever does. So <laughs> right, right. be surprised. Right. Uh, but since the character, that specific version of the character was based off Sam Jackson, he's got the leeway to do whatever the heck he wants. Exactly. Uh, for me, this was way out of left field, but I trust that whatever they saw in rehearsal, in, or not in rehearsals, but in auditions, that it was a good choice for this movie because of the casting we've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know too much about Henry Cavill, so I can't speak to that casting. But Amy Adams is Lois Lane, which it, a lot of people thought was kind of out of left field. But she's a great actress, so I'm like, well, they're obviously not casting the norm, they're casting the talent. Yep. We have... Uh, Kevin Costner as Pa Kent, which is awesome. Yeah. Because the dude can act. I mean, a lot of people snicker at, oh, look, the guy from Waterworld kind of thing. Well, who cares? The dude can act. Exactly. <laughs> I think he's I think he's done enough good work that he can afford to make a few movies that aren't going to appeal to every single person on the planet. Right. So that's exciting to me. You know, all the all the other casting for this movie, I'm just like, wow, they are really just Thinking outside the box, going with who it looks like can do the best job acting-wise, not just who looks the part. And that has me excited. And I think with that kind of a mindset, they must have seen something in Lawrence Fishburne that said, hey, he can do this job. And I think he's a great actor. I think he's been able to pull off whatever's set in front of him. So I'm I'm okay with it if as long as he's good in the part as long as he can come in and make me believe that that's perry white i'm fine with it no matter what color of the skin he has you know yeah 
Yeah, I've loved him ever since Boys in the Hood, Deep Cover. I'm like, that guy, I love that guy. I watch him in anything. And when I, you know, I, I wasn't too, ex- in CSI, he was he was all right. You know, it wasn't my favorite. But overall, though, I enjoy him. I think he's an excellent actor. And I think, like you said, they're trying to pull talent just like they did with Batman Begins, you know, with the time, with the kind of actors they had. So I'm very, very excited that they cast Lawrence Fishburne just because I really like his acting a lot. And I think it's going to be, I think it'll be a good time. So hopefully it, it actually, so. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm looking forward to it. Cool. So now we get to see the uh, Henry. We get to see Henry in the suit this week. Um, yeah. So you uh, wrote a nice article on it yesterday, which you uploaded to Digital Hippos. And uh, I pretty much agreed 100% with everything you said. And uh, outside of the S being a little too big for me, I, overall, I thought it was spot on. I thought it was excellent. I'm digging it. So. Yeah, I don't really understand your whole s being too big argument um what i mean by that is like um it based on what i saw in the it looks like it takes up from shoulder to shoulder down to like his stomach but i can't tell 100 percent. and i'm just used to like the christopher reeve style of s but i like the s though i like the design it's really cool i just thought based on the angle of the picture it looks like it was shoulder to shoulder i'm like i wasn't used to that but looking at the comic books the old school it's kind of trying to be reminiscent of that so i'm starting to dig it more and more the more i look at it so yeah the the size of the s i think it's perfect uh and it actually mirrors very closely the size that Christopher Reeve wore. Um, looking at the various photos on my walls of all the Superman, the only S-Shield that has been smaller than Christopher Reeve's is Brandon Routh's, which was ridiculously tiny. Yeah, it was. And it, most people did not care for that at all. I don't really understand the reasoning behind that. Um, George Reeves uh, had a, a slightly smaller shield, but not very much. Uh, Brandon Rouse was actually a lot smaller than George Reeves was. But this one, it's a good mix between what Christopher Reeve had comparatively in size and uh, Lois and Clark's, which I think was just a little, probably a little on the bigger side. But this is kind of a, a, a nice blend between the two. And I think this is actually a good blend, the suit as a whole, a good blend between what we saw in Lois and Clark and what we had um, with, like, Christopher Reeve. Yeah. The the cape is very Lois and Clark because it's huge. Um, the, the suit, or when I said Christopher Reeve, I meant Brandon Routh. The Superman Returns and, like, Lois and Clark suit kind of combined. Right. We have, the, we have a texture that is reminiscent of what Brandon Routh wore. Um one of the things I'm super excited about that they changed were the boots because I've always hated the Superman Returns boots because they were huge and they were clunky and he wasn't allowed to bend at his uh, ankles at all. So when he flew, his feet were like flat. Yeah. And so it, it just looked weird. And I'm used to like this when Superman's flying through the air, like Christopher Reeve, his toes are pointed and he just looks like completely aerodynamic and he looks pretty awesome. And, Brandon Rouse boots, the boots they threw him in for some reason, just made him look super clunky. Yeah. 
and it, it almost looked like his feet were going to like drop out from under him just due to the weight because these boots were so huge. Uh, another thing about the photo that we can't really tell in the photo, but most people are of the agreement that it's probably true, is that he's most likely not wearing the red trunks. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how did you feel about that if he in fact doesn't have them? I'm okay with it. I am not married to the red trunks. While I think the Superman suit is very iconic, if there's one thing about the suit that could go away and me not have a problem with it, it's the red trunks. I agree. Uh, it's it, a lot of people sit there and say, "Well, then he'll look uneven," and I don't. I don't agree. Uh, especially in this photo, you see he has uh, what looks to be kind of the n- normal yellow gold belt, yeah. even with the oval belt buckle, which I'm glad to see return because. The Superman return suit had way too many Superman shields on it, and it, the belt was part of the problem. Uh, but it, as long as you have a belt or something around the waist that kind of breaks up the, the upper half from the bottom half, it looks fine to me. I've seen many a picture of Superman without the red shorts. They've they've done like what-if type costumes. They've done uh, costumes here and there that don't have them. The current Superman, which is going to be in the comic books in a couple months, is not going to have them. And I've never really had a problem with it. The suit still looks cool. The only thing I would ever really get pissed off about is if they changed the color scheme or if they took away the cape. Yeah. I think the cape, while somewhat dated, you may, you may say compared, compared to, you know, what we see in comics today that nobody really does capes anymore. Superman kind of needs the cape. He's, He's earned it. He's superhero royalty, and royalty wear capes, you know? So yeah. yeah, I agree. I think the suit looks good. The only part I have an, uh, an issue with is the texture that also goes over the S-Shield. I'm, I'm not sure I care for it that much, uh, but it's not something that's going to make me go, well, this doesn't. this is not Superman. His S is bumpy. That's not Superman to me. I hate this movie, which is what a lot of fanboys are doing. You're getting a side view. You know, you're not, as you said in your article, Brandon Routh, what, he's on top of the Daily Planet. You get a full frontal look, and this one's more to the side, crouched down. It's like an action scene. So and it's excellent. Yeah. Right? So we're used to when studios put out these photographs kind of showing us their hero. It's usually uh, a dark background, and it's just the... The person in the suit standing there. It's it's what we got with Christopher or uh, with Brandon Routh. He was standing on the ledge on the Daily Planet set, just you know, standing there, hands on hips. Uh, Spider-Man's been the same way. They give us a, a dark background with uh, Garfield in costume standing there. Uh, this is the first time I can remember where they've purposefully set up a shot that's this action-packed scene that could like be taken out of like a comic book panel right because it's superman he's all crouched over in front of this the rubble of this like bank door looking thing and there's sparks flying and there's smoke billowing around it kind of looks like he's just been smacked and he's smashed into this wall, and he's kind of picked himself up, and he's looking like, okay, let's bring it. Come on, I'm ready for you. Right. And it's the first time we've ever gotten a picture from the studios of Superman, of any Superman from any movie, where it's like mid-battle action scene. And it's it's just super impressive to me. Yeah. 
I, I dig it a lot. It's it's excellent. Um, I like you said, there's a lot of fanboys that are complaining, but you know what? They're always going to complain. Exactly. So they, whatever. The studios can do nothing in Hollywood with these comic book characters without fanboys complaining about everything. It's it's always going to be someone who's like, "That's not Superman. That's not my Superman." And and like and it, you can't please everybody. The person that sits there and complains like that is just not willing to accept change. That's the, that's the major problem. Right. They want the same old, same old, uh, just repetitive thing. And if they don't get it, they complain. If they don't but like it, go back usually, and watch the movies. You know. Yeah. But usually, they're the same ones who sit back and complain that all the, all we get is the same old, same old thing. Exactly. So you just you can't make those people happy. I don't think Hollywood should be trying to make those people happy because those people are never happy. What Hollywood should do is tell a really good story. That's it. Exactly. I hear you. So um, that's pretty much it for Superman, right? That's the most updated info that we've gotten that that I know of. Yeah, as far as I know. (laughs) Okay. So today, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but last week I saw photos of Batman fighting Bane in the snow. I don't know if you had seen those pictures or not. I did. You did? And they were okay. Yeah. Um, You know, um. I'm so far so good, you know. I'm definitely digging it. But today was the official release of uh, Selena Kyle. Uh, I'm not gonna say Catwoman because the way it's looking to me, um, Anne Hathaway is the only one that's actually said the words Catwoman versus what I've read from Nolan and everything. He's only referred to her as Selena Kyle. So, what are your thoughts? I think a lot of people have the expectations of something like Batman Returns. Um, yeah. And it's just it, it, the people that expect that don't read the comic books <laughs> because that the Batman Returns Catwoman has never been seen in the comic books. That was a Tim Burton creation all the way. Right. And we obviously don't expect Halle Berry Catwoman because that would be a travesty. Thank God. Um, the thing with this is the thing with the like kind of the behind the scenes shots, the ones you're talking about where Batman's fighting Bane. And uh, today we got released photos of a stunt woman dressed as Catwoman riding the Batpod. They really don't tell us anything. And the look, we can't judge anything by the look of those pictures. Because what happens in post-production is these images that are recorded on film are color corrected and enhanced and changed so much that what might look kind of dopey on a paparazzi's photograph looks awesome on film so there's a lot of people complaining that this the pictures just look stupid um but they they aren't looking at them in context especially since all the action all the the good looking stuff is in front of the camera and they're taking these pictures from like a different angle far away and so they're not really seeing the true look of what the camera's actually seeing um cat going back to catwoman I think she looks fine. Uh, the the only problem they had is that they released this Superman picture where Superman's just looking just badass. And yeah. Among all this twisted metal and the sparks and the smoke and just looking like he was about to punch someone in the face. And then we get the, oh, and here's a picture of Catwoman who's just sitting on the Batpod. 
I think if it had came out last week, maybe people would be more excited about it. But again, yeah. people are going to complain about it. And as you said today on Facebook, you said it doesn't look as great compared to what we just seen yet. You know, yeah, I, what yesterday is when they posted Superman. Yeah, so it's and it's not that it doesn't look great. It's just underwhelming. Yeah, exactly. When you, when you get a release of a photo that's that just speaks action with the Superman photo, and then you get a photo of Catwoman where it's just like, oh yeah, here's a still of Catwoman. Just here, this will satisfy you guys. Um, it's just not the same. It, right. it feels kind of throwaway, and it's it would have it, it's just a night and day comparatively the presentation. On specifically the Catwoman suit, the suit that Selena Kyle, Anne Hathaway, Selena Kyle is wearing, looks fine. Yep. I was kind of expecting a little bit more um, armorish. I don't know, like it, it looks like a just like a leather suit that most likely has like a zipper up the middle and you know call it a day. It's even got little like square pouches and stuff. I was kind of expecting something a little bit more. Um, uh, reinforced yeah but i'm you know if there's one thing that christopher nolan has taught me over the years is that he can make anything look awesome and be awesome just due to the fact that the stories he tells are are awesome so yeah it's the batman stuff is so hard for me to judge because with nolan's stuff and with all the batman stuff over the years it really, you really just have to wait till the movie and just see what he did with it. Because exactly. all, all we're getting is an image, and an image tells us nothing when it comes from Christopher Nolan because he doesn't want you to know anything. Exactly. And so uh, it's just, it's cool to see. It's cool that they're making this movie and it's going forward, and and that's all awesome. But until we see the actual movie, it's really hard to say whether something's cool or dumb or, you know. Right. Not right. I finally saw the teaser trailer to Amazing Spider-Man. And, you know, I have my reserves on the film, first-person point of view, at the end of the trailer. I thought that was pretty cool. So I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm I'm actually looking really forward to Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, whichever you want to call it. Right. Um, I like Andrew Garfield. I, I really enjoyed him in The Social Network, the... I hadn't watched The Social Network in the theater, and then it came out, and they're like, oh, yeah, that Andrew Garfield guy, he's going to be the next Spider-Man. So I was like, all right, well, now I have to watch it. Right. So it came out. I watched him specifically. I'm, I'm, I was watching it to see if this could be a Peter Parker I could get behind. And his performance in The Social Network was very good. And from what I've seen in pictures and in the trailers, uh, the dude is Peter Parker. I think yeah. he, he far and away looks the part and is probably a little bit better actor uh than toby mcguire was in the role so far from what i've seen but you know it, it does look like these two movies are kind of night and day uh in in compared comparing the mood that they're trying to set with each movie so it's not saying that toby mcguire was horrible in his version of spider-man it's his version of Spider-Man's very different than the one we're going to get with Andrew Garfield. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of people are complaining that it's the origin story again. And how many times can we see the origin story? If it's told well, I can watch it again. Like yeah. that's, that's not a big deal for me. Uh, a lot of people are complaining about Superman being a, you know, we're going to get a look into a, a, another version of the origin story. And as long as it's a good story, who cares? As long as they tell it well, as long as it's fun to watch, I don't mind watching the origin story again. 
I am of the opinion that at this point we need a recap of the origin story and a fresh look on the character this point forward uh, because it's it's just the way of things. We can't be focusing on the old series and the old um, franchises. Much like Batman, it needs to move forward, and I think uh, a fresh start for both Spider-Man and Superman were kind of needed at this whole point, at this juncture in time. Yeah. Now, did Spider-Man always have it where he didn't have unlimited webs like in Tobey Maguire? Because in this one, doesn't he need like uh, canister web shooters. webs? Yeah. Spider-Man has always had web shooters. Uh, Sam Raimi didn't like that. He didn't want to have to deal with him running out of webbing. Uh, he felt that uh, Peter Parker should have gotten more spider traits and making his own webbing was kind of one of those things. I'm fine with it. I could go either way, but um, it is a return to norm with having him have web shooters. Okay, so he does. He can run out of webs, though, right? Yes, okay. he does quite often, actually. Okay. So that that's going to be the only real thing I'm going to that's going to be different for me because I'm so used to the unlimited webs. So usually it's it's used in like, uh, you know, a giant battle when he has to use the webbings uh, a lot. He'll run out and that kind of causes him to have to switch his his kind of attack mode. And it, it works well in the comic book. Some people would probably say it, it happens too often, but. I think since he's going up against the lizard, he's going to have to try and restrain the lizard as much as possible using his webbing. And I can guarantee at some point during a battle, he's going to run out of webbing and get his butt handed to him. Yeah. Um, and that's going to have to cause him to rethink how he's going to battle this villain. I think it's kind of a good story beat. I don't need to see it in every single Spider-Man movie that comes out. He runs out of webbing at some point. But I think it would it would be cool to see in the movies because it's it's a weakness of peter parker that he doesn't have unlimited webbing that when it gets to a point he's got to think on his feet and i i'm totally fine with that cool good deal so um the only other thing i had is you know i have digital cables so i get all the extra channels you know like the 400 channels all that good stuff and mm -hmm. uh and vh1 was running the mtv turns 30 and they were actually playing old school videos and tv shows i mean beavis and butthead was on you know i was having a blast just laughing at that and and they were just playing random stuff like celebrity death match but they had the thing of like uh you know greatest 80s video and if, most people agree that it's michael jackson's thriller for me my favorite 80s video is aha's take on me um i think it's excellent so what about you that's my question for you is what do you think is your favorite 80s video because you know we kind of grew up in the same time frame you know in 80s so what's your favorite video from yeah the, the problem is i i'm not huge into music as as much as some people i listen to a ton of stuff but i was never like I never sat around watching MTV or music videos back when I was younger. It just wasn't something I did. I didn't have cable when I was growing up. So uh, it, I would probably just have to be like, yeah, Thriller. Thriller works. I know Thriller. <laughs> cool. Um, from a filmmaking perspective, I think it's it was an ambitious project. Um, they spent a ton of money on it. They made it into a basically a little mini movie, which I always thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, Take On Me is really cool just because of the animation. I thought that was pretty sweet. Madonna, any video you have of Madonna is always iconic, so that's always cool. Yeah. Um, 
and not just thriller michael jackson had a ton of videos that were pretty sweet yeah smooth um, criminal was awesome with the little you know just standing still and his legs would just go all the way down like he's gonna fall over i mean i i love the yeah. smooth criminal video it's excellent uh i mean michael jackson definitely had excellent excellent videos i mean jam was awesome michael jordan crisscross you know it's he is definitely iconic you can say what you want about his personal life but musically i mean the guy is no doubt about it a legend i i really dig thriller my personal favorite though was aha and i was just curious if you agreed with that statement and if you know what if you had a particular favorite video from the 80s but thriller you know thriller is definitely a, a very good choice so sweet yeah. So why don't we go ahead and get into our review of Buried, sir? Yeah, why not? talk about superman some more yeah yeah that was awesome all right so as you said this is definitely the most serious movie that i've reviewed at this point in the game um and whether you're a fan of ryan reynolds or not i think you definitely would be after you saw this movie um i had the utmost respect for ryan reynolds especially after this movie because if i was an actor and i was asked to do this i don't think i could do it i have a heart attack if you were to stick me in a box um from what i've seen in interviews he did say that there was about seven boxes that were built um did you just watch this like on uh netflix instant watch or did you actually have like a copy of the dvd or the blu-ray i have a copy of the dvd and what i did is is um i watched it a couple months ago with my wife but i just put it in my ipod I watched it this morning um, again, you know, just to refresh my memory, write down a few key things that I probably didn't remember the first time. Um, my first impressions, the very first time I saw it is the beginning was real slow. But after seeing it the second time and knowing what's going on, I thought it moved very well. Well, let's uh, back it up for some listeners who probably don't even know what the heck we're talking about. Right. Uh, Buried is a movie starring Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Reynolds only. Yes. It's a, about a American contractor in Iraq who uh, at some point in his workday is captured, knocked out, captured, and put into a wooden box, a coffin, and buried alive. The movie opens with him in the box, and we never leave the box. Nope. We don't, we don't see scenes of people uh, on he, – he has a phone, so he can talk to people because he's – uh, his captors are demanding uh, a ransom. If he gets them the ransom, he, they'll come dig him up and let him go. So he has to use the phone to try and get the ransom money for them. So he's talking with people on the other end of this phone, 
but we never go and see what who these people are. We don't flash to whatever office they're in and see their side of the conversation. We only hear it. So the entire time we are in this box. It's a very ambitious project because we're shooting inside of a box. A feature-length movie inside of a box. How right. you would think to yourself, that's going to get real boring to look at. Um, that's going to get boring just because it's a guy in a box. But they do such a great job doing the storytelling in this thing that every minute you're just on pins and needles. Uh, they shot it in a way that it's never boring. They they just did such a good job shooting a movie that takes place all in one location, not just one location, inside of a stinking box. That Hats off to him. <laughs> exactly. And Ryan Reynolds' performance has to carry this movie. It has to because there's nothing else. Um as much varied camera work as they were able to do being trapped in a box. If Ryan Reynolds phones it in, the whole movie just falls apart. So his performance is amazing considering the, the limitations he had to work with. And, uh, it's just one of those movies where you just kind of have to watch it to believe it, uh, that it could be that good. So, uh, I watched it. I kind of sang its praises. Um, you eventually watched it. If you have a DVD copy of it, watch the making of that's on it. It's like 15 minutes long. It's not long at all, but they do explain how they shot in the box. They go through the process of, you know, getting Ryan Reynolds to sign on to this little itty bitty movie. Uh, it's really fascinating to watch. So I totally recommend you go check that out. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this movie was made for two million dollars. So uh, obviously, this. I, you know, Halloween is my favorite movie, but this is the best low-budget film I have ever seen in my life, no doubt about it. And and you got to wonder, like, why did it take a couple million bucks to shoot a movie inside a box? Well, a lot of that's going to go towards getting Ryan Reynolds, for one. Uh, two, I don't believe it was shot in the U.S. I believe it was shot overseas, so you yeah. know, you got to get your actor over there. Uh, logistically, you have to figure out how to work this thing. They had to build, like you said, about seven different boxes for for them to shoot with, each one slightly different. Um, there was one that was just a little bit longer than the rest of them so they could get a specific shot. There were ones that uh, came apart so they could start on one side of Ryan Reynolds' face and they could go all the way around but without losing one of the walls. Exactly. So the camera would pan up. They would take a wall away. The p camera would take the place of that wall, and, and another wall would slide up where the camera used to be. So it's all very flawless. And all that takes time. It takes planning. It takes building. Um, $2 million would go into equipment. So it, it may seem like a lot of money for a movie that's set in a box, but realistically, if they had spent less than that, the movie probably wouldn't have been as believable as what they had gotten uh, uh, with the two million. Right. They shot it 17 days in Barcelona, um, and Lionsgate is the one that distributed. It. And honestly, when I saw two million, I was like, "Oh wow, that's real cheap." Because you know, I'm so used to seeing 100 million, 200 million. You oh, know, yeah. to, to see two to see two million, I'm like, "Oh wow, that movie, uh, real low budget." You know, and the director. And it is really tiny budget. Yeah, it is, especially in today's standards. I mean, if this was what, back in the 70s, this would easily be the Halloween um, 
rights tag, you know, two hundred thousand. So it's almost, yep. you know, it's almost like two hundred thousand now. But Rodrigo Cortez, he's a Spanish filmmaker, and when Ryan Reynolds read the script, he said, "This is the best script I've ever read, but good luck filming it." And when the director convinced him how he was going to do it, that's what made him sign on to do it. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we could sit here and tell the the people listening, "Oh, go see this movie about a guy stuck in a box and you never leave the box." You really. <laughs> Right off the bat, you're going to be like, no, nah, no, nah, that's going to be a stupid movie. Right. You really have to get in there and and uh, see it for yourself. Because on paper, it doesn't work. Uh, us telling you that it works isn't going to convince you. Seeing it and actually seeing what, how they pull it off and go, wow, holy crap, they managed to make it work. It's amazing. Yeah. So I, I can totally understand them coming to Ryan Reynolds, a big time actor, saying, "Hey, we want to put you in a box and shoot it, <laughs> and it's totally going to work." There's no way <laughs> they convinced him on the first try, right? Because it's just, it's so mind blowing that you could capture an audience's attention for that long, for like 95 minutes, I think the movie is without going anywhere it's it's ridiculous and and they managed to make it work and that shows us that the filmmakers really knew what they were doing right i mean uh my wife you know when we sat down we watched it the first 10 minutes she's like okay i'm really disappointed like the 20 minute mark she starts to put everything down and by like halfway through the film she's curled up on the couch like with her with her fingernails to her mouth because she's just so intensified watching it. So it's kind of a, you know and that tells you right there. And you know my wife she, she's got to get her attention in it, but it 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 won her over. And at the end of the movie, I mean we'll talk about that in a minute. But this is definitely a movie that you have to see. You can't just have someone say you got to check it out. It's definitely this could happen to you. What would you do? It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's good times. So let's talk about the beginning. Um, it starts off, obviously, after the credits. We don't see anything. We just hear something. Actually, it's uh, like a minute and 39 seconds. I wrote all this down. A minute and 39 seconds before you actually hear anything. And you don't actually hear a vocal word until 8 minutes and 59 seconds into the film. Um, but it makes sense because if that was you, you would do the exact same thing. You know, I mean, you can much testify to this uh, being a filmmaker wise i mean we're the exact same way right <laughs> i have no idea dude um, <laughs> like just the i don't know where you would get the idea for this movie it's got to come from some creative place that i've never tapped into but once you get that idea figuring out how to shoot it and being confident enough in your storytelling that you would be able to shoot it without going anywhere else besides inside this coffin is something I can't even wrap my mind around. Uh, right. The amount of planning it took to get this story told is mind-boggling to me. Like I don't even – I one of the films I just shot, Sunrise, that I, I talked about earlier – there's a character in the trunk of a car for most of it. Um, and I'm thinking, well, I could, you know, I, I have this guy in the trunk of a car and a guy outside the trunk and they're talking to each other and it's, it's not a good conversation. That was 
difficult enough to shoot. Right. I cannot imagine just being in the trunk the entire time. Uh, so just the, the, like I said, watch that documentary, the little making of thing, because a lot of the things they did with these boxes, uh, in how to get, uh, various shots and how to, to make it move and all that kind of stuff. I would never have thought of that ever in a million years. That's why I'm so impressed with the guys behind this movie, because they, they had the, the forethought to not only write a, a really good story, one that'll keep your attention, but they thought through how to overcome the limitations of their space right? in ways that I, I never would have thought. Right. I, I agree 100%. Um, so the lighter, here's my question to you. Wouldn't you think that the lighter would take away your oxygen? I mean, because this is 90 minutes it's exactly one hour it's an hour and a half so my thought process was when you have the lighter on as much as he did um isn't that going to take as much you know isn't that going to kill your oxygen do you honestly think that it did that long well the the lighter wasn't burning the entire time uh a lot of the time that he used the the light from the cell phone but you know i have no idea i don't know the math yeah. You would need the you would need the dimensions of the box. Um, he's hyperventilating a lot. He's talking a lot. So I, I would imagine air was going to be an issue. What I don't know how long that would have taken. I don't know the science behind it. Yeah. Um, but I bet you if the movie was any longer, they would have had to dealt with that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the perfect amount of time was an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so let's talk about when he finally realizes where where he's at, that he's stuck in a box. He's finally, at this point, he's trying to have as much control as possible. He has the cell phone, and he he calls the first number on there. Is that right? That's the first thing he does is he calls the number, and that's when he gets the uh, that's when he gets the the plastic sticker. Yeah, the guy who captured him. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he part of the problem he has is that the phone is in Arabic. Exactly. So he looks at the cell phone; it's in Arabic. He has no idea what he's doing, and it takes him a while before he can actually transfer it over to English, so he can actually dial people he knows or whatever. Um, but yeah, he he talks to the guy who took him hostage. Uh, the guy explains to him, "You get me money, I let you live." And so it's it's basically the rest of the movie is Paul, the guy he's um, he's playing. He has to try and get help. So he's calling uh, his work. He's calling his uh, like the U.S. Embassy. He's calling loved ones to to get those numbers. It's it's really ridiculous how many people he has to call. But it's it's just one of those things, man, where. He, he can talk to these people. He he can tell them who he is, where he was, all that kind of stuff, and they cannot help him. Exactly. <laughs> because exactly. he could be buried anywhere. He could be in China for all he knows. He like all he knows is he's buried under the ground and and that's it. Right. It's it's so frustrating to be able to be that close to somebody to where you guys can talk to each other but be so far away that they cannot help you one bit. It's, it's one of the most frustrating things of the movie. 
uh, and it's it's one of those things that it just kills you every time where you just like, if only he knew like something, something more. And it's needle in a haystack. It's so like on the edge of your seat the entire time. It's very um, Hitchcockian in exactly. the way the movie was made exactly. where it, it, it's balanced on this thrilling atmosphere where you just, as the audience, you just don't know what's going to happen. And it's amazing. It's really awesome to sit through. Yeah. And I, I, I found this scene that was really effective is after he gets done talking, he has help written and he just slowly crosses it out. It kind of like, you know, my first defeat, you know, I thought that was a really effective scene, especially the way it was lit. It's like, you could barely see the word help as he slowly crosses it out. I was like, man, that's good times right there. Um, Okay, so the funny scene of the film, which, as you said, I don't know if this is a scene you're talking about, but it's a scene that's funny for me, but it's not even funny. It's more like dark humor, was when he calls Donna and uh, basically just... The just like um, swears at her. It says, "What is you, it, sister-in-law or something?" Like yeah, that? yeah, exactly. And he's like, "You, you, yeah. F and C, you, yeah." And yeah, then, he just he goes nuts on her. Yeah, understandably so. <laughs> right, because obviously he's calling someone he doesn't really have a great relationship with. Uh, she is not listening to a word he's saying. She's just thinking he's being a jerk. He's literally in a box, buried underground in the desert, and about to die. And all he needs is a phone number from her, and she's not helping. And so he just lets her have it. He's right. full of the emotion and the irritation and the scaredness he has onto this woman, and she does not respond well. And so he has to rein it in. He has to be nice to this person. He absolutely does not like. You can tell. He has to get her to finally give him the number, and he's like, yeah. Thank you. You know, you, you're a saint, kind of. And he says, he says okay, he, F you. Yeah, and then he just delivers the last F you to her. <laughs> I'm like, that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's funny, but you're just like, man, it's. I, should I be laughing? Because he's buried in a box in the desert. Like, should, should I be laughing at this? But it, it was. It made me laugh, and it's pretty much literally the only laugh in the entire movie because everything else is, is dire and it's scary. And even that one laugh, you're just like you're questioning whether or not you should be laughing since you're in such a dire situation with this guy. Because essentially what the filmmakers have done is he's not alone in the box. You are in the box, too, because we never get to leave the box. We are confined to the box as well. If if he gets saved, we get saved from this box. If he doesn't, we're stuck in here with him. And it's it's so just scary and frustrating where you're just like well should i be laughing at that because we're we're both stuck in this box right exactly i i felt horrible laughing at that but i was like that if that's the only time where you can actually see ryan reynolds you know the ryan reynolds most people know of and then he's back to the you know the excellent character that he's but i felt super bad laughing at that but i was like god that's hilarious i'm sorry um i i just i die laughing every time he just does get that last line into her it's good yeah. times um so when he finally gets a hold of i like to say dan the man this is basically the guy that he's going to be talking to the rest of the film um what do you think of uh the guy that's on the other end trying to help him and all that ryan reynolds is just like you're not trying to help me you're trying to cover everything up 
Um, I thought his voice performance was very, very convincing, very good. What do you think? Uh, it was good. I mean, all the voice performances were really good. Um, one of the things that you find in the little making of thing is that Ryan Reynolds was basically acting to the voice of the same person every time. It was a, it was a person off camera that was just reading lines to him, and all the rest of that stuff was added later. So it, it's kind of a credit to Ryan Reynolds to be able to act uh, against someone who's really just reading lines. And for them to be able to add the other side of the phone call in later and it works excellently is another credit to the filmmakers. <laughs> because without the proper direction, that could have come off really dopey. Yeah. I, I, the terrorist, I mean, his voice is where it's got an accent, but I just don't understand it. I mean, when he says one million monies, it, it, to, to somebody else it might sound funny, but the way he says it is very terrifying. And you know yeah. what the guy means. Um, and the scene where they show, um, I believe it was part of his crew, the girl that's taken hostage, um, wasn't that part of his, like, I know he worked with her, but wasn't yeah. she on the convoy with him? Yeah. And okay. she was, she was taken too. And uh, it's like one of the only times we ever kind of leave the box. Right. Because they send him a video over the phone of, of her having been captured. And so we, we don't get to see anything besides this grainy video on a cell phone, but it's really the only time we're ever able to kind of see anything outside of this box. Uh, it's, it's again, it adds to the scare and to the thrill of it because it's a serious, serious movie and a serious situation he's in. So cool. It's just a flipping good movie, man. If you guys haven't watched it, you need to get out there and watch it exactly all right so uh all right let's talk about the snake um that scene oh spiders and snakes i'm a girl i scream i can't Mm -hmm. stand them so uh when that scene happened i thought the movie was over because i'm like dude is dead Um, (laughs) the snake's gonna eat him yeah uh amazing i like the fact that uh they didn't they didn't show you the snake well enough for you to figure out what kind of snake it was, but you kind of get an idea it's a pretty dangerous snake. Um, every snake is dangerous. I don't care what people say. Yeah. Every snake is evil, and they will kill you. I don't yeah. care if it's a garter snake. I don't care if it's a toy snake. Evil. Yeah, evil, definitely. I mean, the dude wakes up to have a snake crawl out of his pants, and uh, – I don't know how they pulled that off. I don't know if it's in the documentary, but however they did it, props to the filmmakers, man. See, if if that was me, if I was the guy in the box, and I'm calling everybody, trying to get out of the box, and just whatever, the second that snake crawled up on me, I'm gonna <laughs> die. I would literally just die. I'd be like, nope, it's my time. Obviously, it's my time to go, and I would just right there. Heart attack. Yeah, no thank you. Mm-mm. I'm done. Uh man, I'll tell you. Uh that scene is amazing. I mean, I I watched it this morning expecting it to happen. I got chills and I was I was watching it. I could not take my eyes off that scene. Amazing. Amazing. I don't know how he pulled it off, man. I mean, I'm telling you. Uh do you honestly think Ryan Reynolds was really in the box? And that snake was really there. 
Ah. Probably. I can't remember if they addressed it in the making of. It's just, man. Mm. Oh. No. No. That's what I mean. Utmost respect for that man, I'll tell you. Oh. Yeah. Good, good times. Um, If you haven't seen the scene, you need to watch it. All right? If you're listening to this, you better have seen the movie already, okay? Seriously. It's... um. I know it's it's hard to imagine watching a movie about a guy in a box for an hour and a half, um, but there are a lot of movies out there that have used this formula and done it well. Um, the The formula of putting you in a confined space and letting the story be the ultimate thing that carries the movie, uh, along with the the actors. This one's the most confining I've ever seen, and it's done amazingly. Uh, a couple of the others you should probably watch if you're into this sort of genre is, um, I think it's called Deep Water, uh, about a couple of scuba divers on a little group trip out in the Caribbean or whatever. They go down, they swim around, and when they come back up, the boat that brought them out there is gone, and literally it's nothing but ocean in every direction. Uh, that's pretty awesome. I heard uh, it sucked. That's why I never watched it. Is it really good? I liked it. Awesome. It, but it's it's a yeah it's a scary movie <laughs> in the same vein as this of like what what do you do like what would you do you're stuck there kind of thing um what about frozen you saw frozen that, right? is amazing yes it's it's pretty much the same sort of premise except on a ski lift right which uh three people they go on their last run of the night through some confusion uh with the operators they think everybody's down and so they shut the thing off, and these people are stuck on a ski lift. And it's not like, oh, well, they just have to survive the night, and they'll start it up in the morning. It's kind of a janky ski resort that they're at, kind of like the low-budget kind where they only run on the weekends. So it's Sunday night. They get stuck up there, and they aren't going to be able to get down or be found until Friday morning. So, And there's a big winter storm warning kind of rolling in, and uh, it's kind of like, okay, well, now what do you do? You've, you're up here for five days. How are you going to survive? Uh, this one is uh, – Buried is definitely the, the most closed-up one we have, especially since it's one guy on screen the entire time, whereas Frozen has three people, and we're not on the ski lift the entire time. Right. Uh, the opening you know, ten minutes, we get to see a couple more people. Uh, and deep water, we do get to see a, a couple of times uh, where we're not with the two people that were following the whole the whole uh, movie. But it's it's a a genre that you would think wouldn't work out too well just due to the confined space and the uh, the lack of mobility in storytelling. But what they they all have is a really solid story with solid characters. And it doesn't matter that you don't go anywhere else. It really works. Um, so all three of those movies, if if you're into that type of a genre or you're at all interested in it, check them out because they're all really creepy movies to watch. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about the biggest douchebag I've ever talked about in any of my episodes, and that's Alan. Because this could happen to you. And you know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah, he's the biggest douchebag oh, ever. Oh. He's the representative of the company, the like the trucking company that Paul works for, Paul being Ryan Reynolds' character. Because uh, one of the places he calls is his work. And he's like, yo, I'm employee number 25783, you know, whatever. 
I'm stuck in a box. And Alan, who's the representative that he ultimately talks to, played by excellently by Stephen Tobolowski. Yes. Uh, you recognize the the voice immediately. Um, yeah, his face just flashes in front of your eyes. You're just like, oh, I know that guy. Okay. He basically plays a guy who is definitely not there to help Ryan Reynolds. Nope. Not really going to go into. I don't want to spoil like what exactly he does that turns him <laughs> into an ultimate douchebag, but he plays it, especially in light of the situation he's dealing with, he plays it so perfectly. Uh, can I <laughs> and just he does it with just his voice is the thing. Like we don't need to see his face. We don't need to see the office he's sitting in. We don't need anything but his voice. And his voice is is perfectly able to communicate what a douchebag this guy is. Can I just say the line, the last line from Ryan Reynolds is, you're a piece of S, was excellent. I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah. Good time. And, and the scary part about that whole thing, that whole situation, once you watch it, you'll understand is you can totally believe that that would happen. I seriously think this is, I mean, this has got to happen to, to, I'm sure this has happened before. This has got to, I'm not saying it's specifically a true story, but this is easily have had to have happened um, out there. What the story is telling you of why they did what they did, why they captured him, why they buried him alive. I honestly think that this has happened before. And uh, maybe yeah, the filmmaker found out about it, you know. I'm sure it has, um, but it's it's just one of those things where you're just like, ugh, ugh. Yeah. Crazy. Okay, so I think I only have one issue with this movie, and it's pretty light, I would say. Um, I, I have the iPhone, so I love it. It's absolutely awesome. I don't have battery problems like I've had with any other phone. But I know that on one cell, trying to send a video would kill my any other phone I had before. What's your thoughts on the one cell send video scene? I I have no problem with it. That's a super nitpicky thing. Yeah, I, um, it, that's what I said. It's very very little, but yeah. It's and just, I, I think I think it's it's just not anything to really worry about. Yeah. I, I mean, it uh, I just, I mean, I don't know the kind of phone he had, and each phone is gets better and better and better. So I'm sure nowadays you could definitely do that, you know, on the newer type phones. But I was just wondering if you noticed that and if that had bothered you at all. It didn't bother me per se, but it was just kind of like I thought about, it, like, could you really do that now? But Yeah, I was, I was so engrossed with the movie that I really didn't think about the logistical uh, issues that, the cell phone would have yeah do we want to talk about the ending like what i don't think we do okay i don't think we do because i think especially this movie people got to watch it and and let it play out for them yeah so this has basically been an episode of us pleading with you to give this movie a try and then to send in emails and let us know what you thought of the whole thing exactly um amazing movie uh would you give this five stars sir I could tell you exactly what I gave it. I'm pretty sure it would be a five-star movie. Um, let me look and see what I actually gave it on the old Flickster. Um, because I really can't think of anything they did wrong. It's such a – logistically, as a filmmaker, I'm, I'm very impressed with it. Um, the acting, spot on. The story, spot on. 
So I ultimately gave this movie a perfect five stars. I would agree with that 100%, sir. Because it's just – it's excellent filmmaking. Exactly. Excellent filmmaking. Yeah. I I can't give enough praise for this film. Um, when I heard, you know, on Film and Focus, I, you know, you were telling Danny just how much you really, really loved it. I was like, man, that's awesome. Because I thought, you know, around my neck of the woods here, I thought I was the only one that, that dug it, which is why I was hoping that if I threw this movie out at you that you'd say, yeah, because I really wanted to get your thoughts on this movie because I, I flip and love it. I think it's excellent. Sweet. Good deal. So uh, since that's our review of Buried, why don't you go and pimp out your show, sir? Um, well, first and foremost, I do uh, Film and Focus, which is a look into film as a whole. So we talk about genres, uh, decades of filmmaking, actors and directors spotlight. It's not really a review show like this one. It's more like let's look at film and discuss how it's made, um, uh, styles of filmmaking, all that kind of stuff. It's a very cerebral look at, at filmmaking. Uh, then I do Flicks, which is very much like this show where we just talk about one movie every episode so uh you don't really have to watch you don't really have to listen to every single episode just look for movies you like and and then click on it and hear us talk about them uh that's done with my friend dan and then me and dan also do show me the winston which is a very random discussion podcast where we talk about anything and everything under the sun while enjoying a nice cold beer at the same time so that's about it. Those are those are the shows. Go check out Crossroads too if you're into supernatural. So what about uh, Shadowy Flight, sir? Oh, that, that show's dead, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like it, but it's just not going anywhere at the moment. I'm the only fan you have left, dude. Oh. Well, we actually have quite a few fans there. We still get a few emails and stuff, but the the thing is, we're we're just so busy these days because. Um, Dan also helps with the the filmmaking portion of Stormfront Productions and uh, summertime we're heavy into production most days of the week and so we just we kind of had to make a decision of we okay what podcasts can we still do and which ones can fall by the wayside at the moment and Shadowy Flight was definitely one that didn't have priority over everything else and even then uh we haven't been putting out episodes every single week over the summer just due to us being all busy. So the shadowy flight is not dead, dead, but it's definitely not something we're working on right now. So, right. Consistently film and focus is probably the one that would come out the most followed by, would you say, show me the Winston and then flicks? I would say it's film and focus flicks and then show me the Winston. We're working on our 50th episode of show me the Winston, uh, which is kind of put a halt on a lot of the other episodes. Like we, we have two episodes of show me the Winston to put out still, but we want to make sure we we're doing like one, one week. And then the next week is going to be 49 and then we'll do a live 50th episode. But we, until we can figure out when we can do the 50th episode, we don't want to like use up the two episodes we have already. Right. So it's it's going to happen soon. It's just right now we're in such a busy stage of post-production on our short film that we can't sit down for five minutes and do an episode kind of thing. Right. So well, that, that's coming. That's good for, you know, the stalker in me always sitting at my computer, click and refresh, see if any podcasts download. I guess I can expect yours in, uh, you know, 
couple more months, it's all good, right? It's coming. It's coming. We uh, just released a new episode of Film and Focus today, so go check that out. Good times. Well, sir, um, before I get into the music spotlight, I just want to say it's definitely an honor to have you on the show. I definitely consider you my mentor, always have, always will. So I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day. And we finally got together. Um, and hopefully you can come on again. Um, I'm having a big Halloween episode the whole month of October. So you can crash anytime you want. Any movies that are coming up, you want to come crash like just send me a note and say I'm crashing that episode. So Sounds good, sir. So I got to ask you, um, my kids watch the Disney Channel a lot. Do uh, Does your kids watch the Disney Channel a lot? Very much so. In oh. fact, tonight, we're recording this on a Friday. Tonight is the premiere of the Phineas and Ferb TV movie, and right. we're watching it tonight. Awesome. And Thundercats are back, flipping on. I, I actually don't. I've not seen Thundercats yet. Okay. I won't tell you anything. I'll just tell you that uh, pay attention very closely because you will be um, – It's an, they, they play a homage very well on a specific character. It's awesome. Um, I am enjoying it a lot. But my kids watch um, you know, Disney Channel, and they watch Wizards of Waverly Place. Are you familiar with that show? I am. Okay, here's my problem with the Disney Channel. They make flipping music, and I can't stand it. Um, <laughs> it. It makes me upset because I hear this song, Selena Gomez, uh, I Love You Like a Love Song. They play it, you know, either on that show, during, you know, the little commercial breaks. They have, like, their little two-minute video, and I heard that song, and I'm a sucker for catchy songs. And uh, I told my wife, I said, come here and listen to this. So I instantly bought an iTunes. I fell in love with it. And have you heard that song, Love You Like a Love Song? I'm sure you have if you... I actually heard that song at some point this week, actually, because one of my kids is watching a lot of Disney Channel one day. And they played the music video for it. So I am familiar with it. Cool. Do you dig that song? Yeah, it's catchy. I know, right? It's it's that's the thing I hate with Disney Channel. You know, it's like they play good music and I can't stand it. It's like, oh, now I like that song. No, See, I don't I have, like that. You know, guilty admission here. I have the same problem with the Nickelodeon shows, um, iCarly and Victorious. I just bought that whole CD. I said to my wife, "Hey, I'm buying a Victorious CD. I hope you don't mind." And yeah. oh, and and Tabby can listen to it too. I actually yeah. bought it from myself. If that myself. makes me creepy, I don't care because yeah. they, they are catchy songs. <laughs> yeah, they are. Freak to freak out. Uh, it's just amazing. I love Victorious. That shows awesome and the sound. Going going all weird geek for Nickelodeon stuff. Did you watch the uh, iCarly Victorious episode where they met up and stuff? Yep, and that's and then they the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, they sang the. Uh, the both theme songs to the shows is like a, a melody type mix up thing at the end. You know, if you think it sounded good in the movie, you got to hear it on the actual CD. It sounds amazing. They like re recorded it just for the CD. And Do they it, still have Keenan on it? Yeah. It was, oh, that's for some reason it's hilarious because they get to a point in the song for those of you who don't watch kids' shows like we do, right? Where it's it's like the very like kind of um what's like the last word in a verse and everybody stops thing, singing and Keenan, who was a guest on the episode just pops out of a door, sings it out loud and then just goes back in the door and slams it shut. And it's hilarious to me for some reason. Yeah. I'm going to double check that because I was just jamming. I wasn't really, I think he is, but I'm like 80% sure he is. But overall, when I just, I 
heard the sound call, I was like, oh my god, this sounds amazing. I'm like, they, you know, I heard um, Freak the Freak Out, and you know, I love that song anyways, but it sounds so different on the show, and they just did uh, the Michael Jackson remake, and when you hear that on the CD, it's like, wow, that sounds amazing. So, yeah, I, I love it when they re-record for the CD. It just, it's supposed to sound good, but it sounds real, real good. Sweet. So, yeah, that's my spotlight song is uh, Selena Gomez, Love You Like Love song. So, And I'm glad I got to geek out with you on the, the Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, because I thought I was the only one. And I, <laughs> I, I tell people at work, and they look at me weird. I'm like, what? I can't help it. They I, My kids watch it, and I try not to like it. But when it's good music, it's good music. You know, what are you going to do? Well, you know, uh, Danny, my co-host on Film & Focus, also has a guilty pleasure in the fact that he really enjoyed the original Zack and Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Yes. Not so much the version on the boat, but he really liked it in the hotel. Yeah. So we would always sit there and talk about like my iCarly liked stuff and then his Zack and Cody stuff. So, you know, don't feel too bad. Now, you do know we have to sit there and watch these movies or these TV shows with our kids. Sometimes we we enjoy them, too. So I know. Right. It's funny. They were on Big Daddy. So like. Actually, I told my kid, I'm like, you know, Zach and Cody were in an Adam Sandler movie, right? And my kid's like, no way. And so I showed him a few scenes, and she's like, wow, that is Zach and Cody. But wow, that's, you know, then my kid loves Adam Sandler, so I showed her that movie. And uh, it's good times. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's it for for the show, sir. So are you going to come crash in October? Uh, yeah, totally. Awesome. I'm doing the... Well, Ty, uh, I'll just announce now. Me and him, we're going to get together. We're going to do the clubs. It's something that has been planned between everybody, between you know me, you, him, but nobody's been able to get around to it. So I figured, why not just do in October, do some, uh, obviously, John Carpenter Halloween, the one, the only Halloween movie, not that Rob Zombie trash, and uh, do some zombie games. So hopefully you can crash for all those uh, talks. That would be awesome. And like I said, any other movie um that i throw out there you want to join that'd be awesome too sir so sweet man all right man well this is um as soon as out and uh you want to sign off too sir peace sweet it's been said and done every beautiful thought's been already sung and i guess right now here's another one so you
big deal there so uh now i saw the i finally hold on <laughs> that's awesome i know <laughs> speaking of superman why don't you go and pimp out your show sir oh you're gonna have to hold on because my doorbell just rang again <laughs> Lost in the 